Good evening, church. Wait a minute. There are dead people in here? Good evening, church. Good evening. Oh, it sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. So we believers, moving forward from today, should start living life, thinking like farmers. I know a lot of you are probably looking at me now saying, wait a minute. Are we going to get a farming lesson today or teaching or preaching? Uh, are you going to buy some land and farm in China or, or Jamaica or, or Columbus, Ohio or the Philippines? No, not at all. Not at all. But we should live our lives not like industrialists, thinking more like a farmer. I know you're dying to find out what this is all about. We should live our life not like wonderful business owners, but like a farmer. Thinking our and I know some of you have been farmers when you grew up. I grew up. We grew up close to a farm uh, where where I lived, and I know Pastor Lyle did too. Okay, up in Jersey, we should live our lives thinking like a farmer, not like a technocrat. Is that really a word? A technocrat. Living our lives as a farmer and and having hope that we're thinking about gardening. Is it getting a little bit exciting? And what am I talking about? Flowers, plants? I do love flowers. But the title of this message tonight is called Seed Everlasting. The Holy Spirit gave me that go, what? Seed, S-E-E-D, everlasting. And it's wonderful because they sang about everlasting life with God. And Pastor Chris talked about everlasting also. So it makes a connection with what we're going to talk about tonight. So the title, Seed Everlasting. Let's open up with prayer. Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the message tonight. We thank you, Lord. Like I always say, Lord, for so many years and I will continue until you take me home. But I cannot do this without the knowledge, power, and guidance of the Holy Spirit, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for what you're about to bring tonight. I thank you for your goodness, your love, and your compassion. And I thank you, Lord, for who you are, precious Father, precious King. And the church said, Amen. So, the definition of seed everlasting should be as simple as this. We will get whatever we put in. We will get whatever, I'm sorry, whatever we put in is what we're going to get coming out. Okay? So that's very important for us to understand. And I know you've heard a lot of cliches and a lot of messages about, you know, those seeds you plant. But this is pretty much, I, I know you, you're thinking, are you going to preach part two of faith as small as a mustard seed? I, I did that a few years back right here at our church, and it was very touching to me because I remember passing a mustard seed at the, at the homeless shelter where I'm at, when, where you go in as pastor's volunteer, and some of the people kept the seed, that I, uh, the, the mustard seed, they kept it for like a month. And I asked them, what would you do that for? And they said, because 
We just want to remember of what was said here. But that is not the message tonight. That is definitely not the message tonight. So it should be what Jesus tells us is definitely spoke many times in the Bible of planting the right seeds. And I'm going to simplify it a little bit for us, but the gospel itself is very simple if we pay attention and we read what God is telling us. So could you jump immediately to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, S-O-W-S, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. So important points right here. <clears throat> Christ instructs us how we should plant the right seeds first into our lives by knowing that Christ is our first love. Also, by being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and by listening to the Holy Spirit. By planting Christ-like seed in others. Now, this we're, this, we're talking about us. And, and we're going to learn tonight or maybe just a refresher course for any one of us here, is how do we plant those seeds that God is telling us about in this gospel? How do we plant those seeds in people's lives? Okay? And you, we know that that planting only happens if the Lord Jesus Christ is leading us. It will not happen otherwise. So by cultivating these seeds, proper watering, adding fresh soil from time to time that will strengthen the growth that is about to reap. As we believe in Christ, Christ's farmers, we're going to be stuck on farmers tonight, Christ's farmers, we are held to a higher standard on what we teach others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it, if it is not aligned with the gospel of Jesus, there's definitely no growth in that field that you have planted the seed. Now, can farmers, seed planters for Christ be only pastors, chaplains, bishops? No. Each and every one of us, each and every one of us will have opportunities to plant those seeds and the opportunities can come in less than a second. You could be at 
the supermarket. You can be at work. <clears throat> and you can even be here at church, someone coming in that front door for the first time. How do we plant those seeds, those seeds of love, those seeds of reaching out to them? Well, it's the way we present ourselves to them. Those are the seeds that are important that God is looking at when he looks at our heart. As Christ farmers, gardeners, and gardeners, we are to be very careful that we are sowing into a person's life the sound doctrine. It is so important because each and any, any one of us can say anything to anyone. But is it focused on sound doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it focused on what we think and what comes out, excuse me, and what comes out of our mouth because the mind is not connecting with the heart. It's just connecting with, with whatever we think. So we have to be very careful when we are planting those seeds Remember, those seeds, and we're going to learn tonight, and you know it already in a lot of the scriptures, they will fall into ground that is not going to be <laughs> going to do the job of cultivating anything to be worth growing. So we have to be so, so very careful. So church, if we want to reap to the Spirit, we should not hesitate to sow to the Spirit. Spirit of God is what I'm talking about. With whatever resources God has given us, church, we cannot sow to the Spirit and at the same time sow to the flesh. And I'm not just talking about, you know, a lot of preachers, they, they align this with tithes and offerings. I'm talking about that, but that's not what this message is about. You know, it, God knows our heart. Okay, so... This is about the seed you plant to a, into a person by the way you speak to them of who Jesus Christ is. This is what I'm talking about. Could it be reference to tithes and offerings? Definitely. Could it be in reference to the way you show God's love to them? Most definitely. But those seeds, if you want it to be what the title of this message is, seed everlasting. They got to be seeds that are glorified, right? That are that are blessed through God because God places it in your heart, in my heart, to plant those seeds. And like I said, it could happen when you least expect it. Are you going to be ready to plant? And we don't even know when we plant a seed that God is using us to, to share with someone, we may not see the fruits of that until many years later, but we are not to worry because we're not the ones that are, are the ones that are going to change that person. That assignment is to Jesus Christ. But if we allow ourselves as farmers to garden for God, to plant those seeds, God will do the work. All we have to do is be obedient. And you read this in the Bible many times. Jesus will go on if he calls upon you or me. And we're not ready to be his farmer 
to plant this beautiful garden, okay? He will just pass us by and he will use somebody else. So what am I saying here? Don't ever lose the opportunity. Whether you are a movie house in line to just go see a movie and you talk to someone that's in line, and you could even plant a seat by saying to them, hey, can I pay for your movie ticket to go see this wonderful Christian movie? You know, I have done that and I've been so blessed Sometimes people will say, what are you doing? What, what do you want to buy me a ticket for? I can buy my own ticket. But that's not, that's not the point. The point is, we are pouring God's love by planting that seed in that person. And we're going to let God do the work. We don't have to worry. But remember, this is what we got to remember most of all. The seed has to be, it can only be glorified. If it's a sound doctrine, if it's a sound gospel of Jesus Christ, it has nothing to do with religion. Not at all. It has not to do with the law. We are to respect the law. But Jesus gave did the work on the cross so that we adhere to him, not to the law. But we are to respect the law. So this is most important when teaching others about God's word, definitely, and, and listen to this, because you hear preachers do this and do something else. You you hear people talk to people about this, and then they, at their job, they see them doing something else. You heard of the saying, definitely not do as I say, but not as I do. You've heard that expression many times, where people can preach a wonderful, wonderful message where people at work can share a word with someone, with a colleague that they're working with, but then they're planting these seeds of, of wonderful, wonderful, encouraging, encouraging words, and, and it's aligned with the Word of God. But then that person that just planted those seeds as being God's farmer, the person that they spoke to about it, they see them when they're not even watching to see if anybody's watching them. And they're not acting like that farmer that places Christ first in their lives. And let me tell you, you we are held to a higher standard as farmers of Jesus Christ planting these seeds. Because if you're going to plant a seed, and that seed is not going to take root it's not going to be something that will glorify God. I want to share something with you that's very personal. Monday night, and a lot of you know me, I always leave my heart right here on the pulpit because I want you to know who I am. I want you to know that I'm not that special guy that you think I am all the time. We had an opportunity on Monday night when we close in prayer at the shelter this young man that I had known for over two years had been at the shelter in and out, and he was waiting patiently to try to come up because Pastor Chris that was with me and Pastor Pam, we, were, we always close and we're up front to pray with anyone that needs prayer. Now, what I'm about to say, some of you are going to be offended, some of you are going to be hurt, but like I say, I have to be honest. I cannot hide anything from you. 
And I asked God about this. You want me to talk about this tonight? And, and, and if, you, if you don't want me to talk about it, take it away from my mind. And here it is. He wants me to bring it up. Because I am confessing to, in front of all of you, what I did, which I think was wrong, the way I handled it. So after we pray with a few people and lay hands on them, this young man comes up and he starts telling us what is going on. And I asked him, I was the one in front of him, and Pastor Chris was a little bit in the back, and Pastor Pam was right beside me on my right. Service was over, and we're in the cafeteria. And he's telling his story, what he was going out, that he lost, he lost his apartment that was given to him, and it was given through the coalition of Broward County. And I know about that because I have participated with them as a, as a minister being part of it. They're the ones that try to get people placed that graduate from shelters and halfway houses. So this young man kept talking. And um, and I kept, and the Holy Spirit kept telling me, he's going to ask for prayer, but he's not being truthful. And, and I started seeing it in him. And here's what I did that might disappoint some of you. And you may say to yourself, well, wait a minute, where was the love? What was the compassion? We preach some compassion here. So I'm not saying this for you to take this, like the Holy Spirit told me to do this. Everything else was okay up to that moment. And the Holy Spirit did not say this, what I'm about to say to you. I looked at him straight in the eye and I said to him, well, is your homosexuality is it the thing that's getting you in trouble that you got kicked out? And of course, you, ask, you gotta ask yourself, what seed were you planting? What seed were you planting, Brother Pete? Were you planting a seed of love, compassion, and, and, and caring for people? That tells us to be bold. And how do we look at that? That To be bold is to say, if you would have said to me from the very beginning, Remember, he was looking at me, and I was talking to him. If he would have said, well, Jesus made me gay, or Jesus made me transgender, that's when we have the moment that we can plant that seed and say, no. But I took it upon myself, like, like I was the judge, looking at this young man, and he got all upset, but you had every right to do so. And, and he said, I don't want prayer from any one of you. And then Pastor Pam tried to share with him that sin is sin is sin. But again, after it was all over and, and I got we got home, I thought about it. I got on my knees beside my bed and I asked God for forgiveness. Not because I wasn't bold to confront sin, but because I didn't plant the right seat with this young man. I broke him. I tore him. I treated him like, like he was worth nothing. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. Don't make that mistake. This was me this past Monday. And Pastor Chris did a wonderful job. He just backed away from it, didn't say a word. And Pastor Pam did try to help. But why did I share this with you? I share with you because the seed that we plant in people's lives as believers in Jesus Christ 
They need to be seeds that will bear fruit. It cannot be what we have in our minds and in our thoughts of whatever. So I wanted to share that with you. With that said, can you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 10? I hope you still love me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 10. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as his purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work as it is written. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He's talking about us, how we treat people. And again, it's not about tithe and offerings only. Okay? It's about the way we treat people and how we plant the seed of hope in the future in their lives. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Isn't that great? When God checks our heart and he sees that we planted those seeds of forgiveness, those seeds of compassion, those seeds of hope in the future in a person's life, God will open up the heavens on you and me and bless us abundantly. And 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 he will give us more favor than we ever thought. Why me, Lord? Why? Because we've been obedient. And we put him first. He's our first love. And we want to plant those seeds that are going to encourage people to, to fellowship with others by coming to church. That are going to encourage people to read their Bible, the word of God. That's what we want. That's what should have been my, my mouth opening and saying to this young man that I knew for two years. So we do have to be very careful. Is God, may God use that in a proper way? Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. But did God give me the instruction to say those words? No, he didn't. It was me wanting to say to him, stop living that life, man. So, the Apostle Paul is not promoting here some law of spiritual karma. You know, if you want to go learn about karma, go down a few, a few storefronts. And you can learn about karma, okay? Listen, don't criticize. I used to be one of them. Meaning, I used to do practice in... And I would pray to stuff I didn't even know when I was lost in darkness. Yeah, your brother Pete. I was doing that. Thinking about all this stuff and thinking about karma and thinking about, and I used to love to say this to people, hey, what goes around comes around. It had nothing biblical to do with it. It was just me and my, my stuff that I believed in the meditation. I wasn't meditating on the word of God when I was meditating. I was meditating and saying things that I, I couldn't even believe. That was me. I know some of you are saying, man, you've gone through a lot. Yeah, 
look what happened. God is using me now. Isn't that something? I've gone through a lot. I've done a lot of harm. I've hurt a lot of people, including my family. But look what God has done in my life. He is still using me and strengthening me. And I'm asking him to use me until he comes to take me home. I don't want to fail. I don't want to miss not even a New York minute. I want to be there to always, always glorify God and, and, and to give him credit for everything. It's not me. I can never save anyone. And I say this to the men and women at the shelter. I could never save you. Don't fall in love with me. Fall in love with the word of God. Not me. I can't do anything for you. So church, when we sow little into people's lives, sometimes we see people hurting and we'll say to them, hey, hey, yeah, I'll pray for you. Good luck with that. And we just book. Or if we're at a stoplight, and I'm not judging anyone here that does this. Pastor Pam and I, we don't do this. And there's somebody with, with you know, asking for money. We don't ever give money. We roll down the window and say, can we pray with you? Can I buy you a bottle of water? Can I get you some food to eat? I'm being honest. Some of you may be disappointed. But wait a minute. Isn't what you give to them between them and God and you're out of the picture? Well, I have to take responsibility. You know, I've had men and women tell me at the shelter and give their testimony that they used to stand in the street corner and, 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 and ask for money, and then he used the money always for the right thing. So I want to be able to bless people when I bless them, that I know that I'm blessing them for something important. I'm seeing them go buy food, or I can buy them food myself. If you don't believe in that, that's okay. I don't judge anyone for that. I care for everyone. But it is so easy to roll down the window and hand over a couple of dollars and say, goodbye, good luck to you, man. Hey, if I see you here next week, I'll do the same. Or I'll just give you my loose change. Okay, that could help someone. But are you really investing in their lives to plant a seed? You know how important that is? At that light that you may have that opportunity to plant a seed in that person, that everlasting seed of Jesus Christ, that's what's important to me. I'm not trying to cheapen the situation, but I'm trying to tell you, think about this when you encounter moments like that. So church, folks, non-believers work, working folks, uh, work, which folks at work, or even our family members, how can any one of us expect much to reap if what we plant, if what we plant in, in the form of a seed of Jesus Christ is insignificant because we don't even believe in what we're planting. We're just trying to get that person out of our face at the light or at, at Publix or wherever you're at. I'm sorry, Pastor Rose, I don't mean to pick up Publix. Be Winn-Dixie, be any place, okay? Christ knows our heart. If we expect folks to grow in Christ when, when all we sow into them is harsh words, like I did to this just man, to this young man on Monday, criticism, scare tactics, lack of hope in future, we are lying to ourselves. 
We're not representing Christ. We're representing ourselves. We're not the farmers for Jesus that plant the seeds and hope that it will reap incredible and bear fruit. We're the ones that just keep going around like this and judging people. And that's how we're the one. Stuffing Jesus, stuffing Jesus down anyone's throat will never bear the fruits of Christ's love, mercy, hope, or a future in their lives. And I don't do that. If that's the way you are led to do that, you try to stuff Jesus down people's throat and make them feel uncomfortable, hey, I don't do that at the gym. I speak to people at the gym with love, and I speak to people at the gym with encouraging them. And I even invite them to this church. Or I'll, tell you, I'll say to them, you need to, if you have a phone, and you have access to the internet, you need to hook up with Potter's House Coral Springs. Always trying to plant those seeds to them, to let them know. I don't try to say, man, if you don't repent right now, you're going to hell. And I may not see you here. No. If I get to know them and continue bringing ministry, the gospel to them, because I've been at the gym for a long time, I'll get to that point. Because they're going to ask me questions. Wait a minute, the Bible says this. What does it mean that this is an abomination to Jesus Christ? And then I will explain why homosexuality and transgender is an abomination to Jesus Christ. You can't say that you are a lover of Christ and think homosexuality and transgender or BL, whatever that is, is okay. It is not okay. Now, are we, to, are we supposed to hate them? No. Are we supposed to turn our backs on them? No. We're supposed to love them. Jesus tells us to love them. The ones that people think they're unlovable. That's the one that God says, I want you to love him, but Lord, come on, remember Jonah and Nineveh? Well, no, I, I, I don't want to. They're sinners. I don't want to deal anything with them. He ended up in the mouth of the, of the whale. But again, obedience comes from knowing that you and I represent that seed, everlasting seed of Jesus Christ. That's what obedience is. If only they believe and follow his everlasting words, and I'm talking about Christ, is what True sowing and reaping is about in a person's life. If we really believe in who Jesus Christ is, once we start sowing those seeds in these people's lives that we come across anywhere, we we may not see, we may not see the reaping, but you know, the harvest is great and the labors are few. And if you've been selected to be one of the labors, you, you and I need to step up. We need to step up. Remember, church, the harvest does not come immediately after the seeds are sown. It is easy but dangerous to lose heart. Sometimes some of us want to give up on people. Well, I can't. I had to walk away from a person. Some of you met a long time ago. He came here. I was with him, trying to sow seeds of encouragement, everlasting life in his life for seven years. 
and then it got ugly. Not by me, but I just, God told me to step away, give him time to heal, give him time to get closer to God, not to me, but to God. So it's important. Sowing into people's lives can be hard and painful at times, but can also be unfinished and unrewarded if we are not willing to be that great Christ gardener. Grace Christ gardener. Our work only begins when we lead them to Christ. We're not done when you lead them to Christ. We're not done. That's the beginning. That's when the work gets hard. But if you truly are a farmer, gardener for Christ, you're going to stand there and you're going to water that seed. You're going to help water that seed. Why? Because you're going to be there to answer questions and open more of the gospel to them. That's important. Could you go to Genesis chapter 26, verse 12? We're three quarters of the way there. Yep, as I'm getting close to running out of time. Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed into the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Why did he do that? Because God was first in his life. And God will bless you and I, not only tenfold, but a hundredfold. Even if you are in a business trip or business meeting, and you get a chance to share the gospel with anyone you come across as you are in your business meeting, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, you are that farmer that's faithful. You are that farmer that brings a message of hope and a future to people. Don't ever think little of yourself. It has nothing to do with being a minister. You're a minister when you accept Christ in your life and he gives you the assignment and you you share that word with everyone. That's a true minister of Christ. You don't have to have a title or paperwork or, or IDs like I have in my pocket. That doesn't make you a true minister. That never makes you a true minister. So do not, um, I'm sorry. So important points here, Isaac here being faithful of who his God was, reap the awesome blessing from the Lord. Listen church, being a visiting pastor at, at anywhere that I go to, the halfway house, the homeless shelter, again, I am held to a higher standard. I am held to be the, the, the love of Christ, that seed that would when, when people get sprinkled with that seed, not from me, but from what I represent in Jesus Christ, they're going to be blessed. The eyes will be open. The ears will be open to hear. Where a lot of people were not. And, and that gentleman's ears shut down because of the way I, I treated that situation this past Monday night. And I'm hoping I get another opportunity. To come alongside. He may not want to even see me, want to spit me out, but I hope I can come alongside of him. I did tell him I was sorry. I did tell him we love him and care for him. But you know what? When a person doesn't understand who Jesus Christ is and they start believing they can have one foot in and one foot out, you and I will never reach them. 
until God says it's time. It's better for you to dust up your sandals and keep moving. And if you don't wear sandals or chancletas, the way we say it in, in Spanish, then you got to keep moving anyway. God may bring you back to their lives again. If you could go to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8, verses 5 through 8. Luke 8, verses 5 through 8. A sower went out to sow his seed. And you know this so well. This is in the form of a parable. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and it, would, and it, would, and it choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried out, Who, this is Christ, who has ears to hear, let him hear. What happened over here? Well, you can sow these seeds, and some people will say, ah, No, thank you. I'm not religious. I don't want to hear it. They just move on. Okay, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. If you truly love Christ, don't let that discourage you and stop doing God's work. You could even be talking to a, a, a young young teenager that comes to our church, and maybe your words that are planted in Christ, your seed everlasting from Christ, can touch them when they can be not be maybe not touched by the preacher that's up here. Think about that. God will use anyone. If we're willing, he will make us able to do it. I love that about Christ. So, now, if you could jump a little bit ahead, it'll explain this a little bit better. Go to Luke 8, 11 through 15. This is the last scripture for tonight. This explains exactly the parable that Jesus Christ gave to them. Luke 8, Chapter 8, verses 11 through 15. So here we see what is said that is found in Luke 8, 5 through 8. The seed is the word of God. Let's think about that first. The seed is the word of God before I start reading this. Well, it, 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 if that seed comes from what God planted in you through the Holy Spirit, you better believe it that the seed is the word of God. And it's an everlasting seed. So Luke 8, 11 through 15. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Least they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, those people, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit, no fruit to maturity. 
But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. It's like that gentleman I told you about that I was ministering to at the shelter, this other gentleman, and I shared this with you a, a few Wednesdays ago. He was always excited in the room and, 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 and screaming out, Jesus, I love you, in front of all of us. This is at the shelter on Monday night. And, and he, would, he would get up, and any one of us could be up, up talking, and he would get him a Bible. I mean, you'd say, well, this guy, look at this guy, boy. Uh, and, you know, myself and the other pastor, we led him to Christ, um, you know, a month before. But here's what happened. Those seeds that were planted in him went to waste. Because he only had that moment of jubilation, that moment of excitement, excitement for about for about five weeks. And he's the one that I told you that I came in that night and I had to preach the word there. And someone said to me, Pastor Pete, you need to go outside. So-and-so is calling for you. Why is he not in here? He signed himself out. Remember that story? And he was outside. And the first things he tells me, Pastor Rose, I know I learned the word of God. I know I am I am a man of God. I was listening to this. I was just listening to him. And he said, but I'm going to kill myself. And I think God is going to be okay with it. Because I'm no good. He was telling me all this right there. We were standing in front of each other in the front parking lot of the shelter before service even started. And he was saying to me, I'm going to kill myself injecting fentanyl into my, my, my veins. And I know that I will fall asleep and I'll wake up and I will be with God. And I tell you this, it was kind of dark in that area, but I think you could see my eyes. I said, I'm sorry, buddy, it doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. He goes, why, Pastor Pete? You can't say you love God and you're going to kill yourself when he created you in your mom's womb. It doesn't work that way. You need to come in here back with us and tell us what you're going through so we can pray with you, so we can come alongside of you. Don't give up. Oh, I don't care, Pastor Pete. And then he rolled, remember, remember the story? He took out, and he had a wad of money. Look at this. I went out there already after I signed myself out, and I sold drugs for two hours. Look how much money, like trying to brag to me. And I said, but buddy, that's not going to save you from wanting to kill yourself. Oh, I still want to kill myself. But I just found out good news. He listened to what I said, and the other pastor, I, I brought the other pastor out. He is now getting help, and he did not kill himself. Why? Because I believe the seeds that we planted, that we were obedient to plant, that it could be given to you to be a farmer and plant. Some of those seeds, Brother Caesar, stuck right there. And he could not deny God. He could not deny God. And I love that. Let's go to God. Let's bow our heads. Uh.